Hello and welcome to another episode of Architecture for Kids podcast. I'm your host, Antonio Caplão. I'm a trained architect, an architectural educator and founding director of award-winning Architecture for Kids CIC. In this podcast, I'm going to talk to practitioners and creatives that share the same passion as I do, to inspire and to engage children and young people to shape their built environment and the creative industries. The podcast is brought to you in collaboration with the Built Environment Trust, the Thornton Education Trust, and the Wells School of Architecture, Cardiff University. My guest today is Inés Lorenzo, an art historian currently completing a master's degree in history and heritage, specializing in heritage mediation. Her work experience ranges from art consultancy, cultural production, and management in cultural associations and private companies to arts and architecture mediation. Ines is the coordinator of the educational service of Casa de Arquitetura, Portuguese Center for Architecture. The Portuguese Center for Architecture focuses on safeguarding, preserving, and making architecture collections accessible and thus promoting reflection on architecture and taking it to the acknowledgement and understanding of the general public. The educational service connects with all the different publics they work with, from young children to seniors, through a wide range of activities, from guided visits to short and long-term workshops that aim to promote the understanding of architecture and its process. The educational service connects with all the different publics they work with, from young children to seniors, through a wide range of activities, from guided visits to short and long-term workshops that aim to promote the understanding of architecture and its process. Ines, thank you for coming to talk to me today, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Hello, Antonio. Thank you so much for inviting me. What subjects were you good at school and what subjects uh, did you enjoy most? The subjects I enjoyed the most were definitely arts. I was uh, both good at it and that's the, the one I enjoyed the most. Uh, I, have, I had the, the best grades at it. Did that influence your career? And, uh, and if so, how? Uh, when I thought about uh, my professional career uh, for the future, I, I obviously had an interest that it would be related to arts uh, because it was a passion of mine and it was the area I always felt most comfortable in. Uh, and when it came to the decision of uh, choosing a pathway uh, to study, I decided to choose history of art because it connected uh, the arts, the art world. Uh, it also involved architecture and it also involved documents as well uh, and the built environment. I know you you worked in London. Uh, you're now here in Portugal in Porto at uh, Casa da Arquitetura. So tell us a little bit about your trajectory. How did you get here? When I was studying in university, I I was very interested in architecture and learning more about it. But as you may know, uh, the there's, there's a bit of a gap between uh, the university studies and the professional environment. So when I was studying, I did not have a, a very good notion of what was needed and what 
constituted uh, the art sector. I knew I wanted to be surrounded by art and surrounded by beauty and the sublime, but I didn't. I, I wasn't sure about what uh, what profession exactly I would like to have. And then uh, when I started, uh, when I started exploring more about it, I came to know the education part of the arts world, and that's what really interested me. I started working at on arts education in probably 2016, I guess. Uh, and before that, I also had a period where I was volunteering with a lot of. Uh, youth associations and was already connecting with that type of uh, field work, uh, but uh, not exactly related with arts at that moment I was studying. So then when I got off uh, university, I, I explored about it. I did a workshop about uh, arts education and that's what uh, really started my journey through this world. Uh, I started working in uh, 2016 with uh, arts education and architecture education as well. Uh, and it, it really fascinated me, the power that the educators have uh, in transmitting knowledge and uh, also triggering, uh, triggering the kids and uh, the young people to to really discuss and uh, and reflect in architecture and arts. An interesting strategy and something that you said uh, about the power of the educators having been supportive. Did your art teachers, you know, had that kind of power over you as well? Or did they support you or did they inspire you to do what you've done? Some more than others. Uh, I I believe that uh, the, the, the role of an art an architecture educator is a bit different uh, from the the role of a teacher. Completely different, actually, uh, because the educator, the arts educator, and the architecture educator uh, guides the participants, guides the kids and young people to getting to learning by doing, to learning by experimenting and debating and discussing. And uh, they challenge them to really question and take a, a, an active part in the architecture dialogue. Uh, the teachers have a, a more formal education role uh, that's really important. We are uh, recording this from a different country. It will be interesting to understand uh, where we are in terms of the curriculum. And I think you already started talking about that by defining um, formal education with school you know, and the, the creative education that we have here with the arts and, and architecture or in organizations such as this. And is this still the norm in, in, in Portugal or is the curriculum of moving toward a more creative and more hands-on project work? We are definitely in the process of moving towards it. Uh, we have some organizations that are working towards it. Uh, we have uh, uh, Plano Nacional das Artes in Portugal, 
which is responsible for uh, motivating and working with schools and establishing relationships between schools and cultural institutions, uh, help this sort of relationships between the two and to enrich the, the formal education. Also here at Casa da Arquitetura, we always take the curriculum into consideration when uh, designing all of our workshops and uh, prepare all, all of our activities. So we, we adapt and we, we also uh, know that our, th there are a lot of schools that uh, really take an active part in, in really adapting and uh, getting themselves open cultural world and the arts world as well. Uh, and they, they, we are definitely in the process of it. Casa Tura is relatively new. Tell us a little bit about what your role entails as well as some of your programs of with the schools. How does that work? And what kind of kids and young people come to your workshops? Casa de Arquitetura was founded in 2009, and then we, we've came a long way since then. We used to be based at a small house, uh, a, a small city house here in, in Matosinhos, uh, which was Caesar's family house. And then we moved to this big uh, building you, you are in now, uh, which is also in Matzins. We moved here in November 2017. This relocation allowed us to, to expand our range of activities, uh, which uh, now includes a lot of exhibitions, temporary exhibitions, and a big scale of exhibition rooms. Uh, we also uh, have uh, a room specific for the education service and uh, this room allows us to work with schools and uh, also uh, work with uh, individuals that they, they came to us to, to participate in our activity. Here at Casa da Arquitetura, our educational service does not only work with kids and young people, but we also work with uh, uh, people from all ages. We believe these intergenerational practices and activities can be enriching for people of all ages who participate in them. Why do you think that and why is it so important here, the intergenerational aspects of, of the activities? We believe that uh, the intergenerational uh, aspects of activities are important because when they, the activities join people from all ages, it is possible to exchange experiences in between them. And also uh, the, the education uh, being open to people from all ages is also a, a big part of our work and our mission. Uh, working with, with people from all ages is also important because it allows us to promote the knowledge about architecture and its process and also uh, share and make people aware of the importance that architecture has in all of our lives. Coming back to the activities itself, so they are intergenerational, you work with schools, you work with the curriculums. Tell us a little bit about, about more about those activities and how and perhaps, you know, if there's one in particular that is your favorite or that you set up yourself, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about it. Our activities are, are destined for 
schools. And they are also open to private people who sign their kids up for participating in the activities. And we also have a lot of open days for families and kids to join us and to participate. Uh, the activities, we have a regular offer of uh, workshops, mostly for, for schools during the school year. We also have activities in the, during the seasonal holidays where the kids come to us to, to be here for a full week with a full experience. And the activities are developed uh, from Monday until Friday. This allows us to work uh, and to really get in depth uh, of a project with these kids. We also have special activities uh, in special days. Uh, for example, the inaugurations of exhibitions um, and also other important holidays here in, in Portugal. Regarding my favorite activities, this is very difficult to, to name. Uh, I can tell you a bit about our program. We develop a, a program for each academic year uh, and we are now working with a team for the first time, which is Biophilia. Uh, and we are really getting uh, getting in depth of the, the alliance between nature and architecture and the importance that nature can have in architecture uh, and the wealth, well-being of the human. We have a, a workshop which is based in biomimacy, motivates the, the participants to observe uh, natural elements and to, to really inspire, be inspired by these natural elements and to develop an idea of a design, of an architectural project, and to, to really uh, spread their wings and, and uh, see what, uh, what that uh, nature object can inspire them to do and to think of uh, the possibilities. So biophilia uh, for us is a way of looking to nature uh, to find solutions for our problems, for our everyday problems and the world problems as well. So this inspi really inspired us to, to do a range of workshops. Uh, and also now that we have the exhibition about Paulo Mendes da Rocha, the Brazilian architect, uh, we, we are continuing to work on this thing and to, to really continue to be inspired by it and to motivate people from all ages to get to know biophilia, what this means and what what can this bring to to our everyday life and how it can be a contribute to architecture and to thinking the built environment. And how do you develop those activities? Tell us a little bit about that, that process as well. For example, the, the activity I was telling you about uh, based on biomimesis, this activity in, involves the observation of the natural object through a microscope, and then it involves the, the description of the observation elements they do detect on the natural object. The observation is the starting point to to getting to develop an idea, a concept, uh, a solution to to what they they think uh, might be interesting to to develop. We also consider that the that in our 
activities, it's really important to motivate the open discussion, the explaining of the projects, the debating, the finding the solutions. We also uh, believe that they that the discussion with other uh, other participants can be uh, an advantage to the project of each participant. So uh, there's a big part of the dialogue that happens uh, as an introduction and as a conclusion of each activity. The guided visits we do also involve a lot of open discussion uh, and uh, really... So our educators really aim to uh, open a door to discussion with these kids and to critical thinking and to uh, stimulating them to to exchange ideas in between them in between them and the educators and to really question what what they see what they feel what they create and and this uh, creates a big we we aim to create a big forum of ideas you talked earlier about the curriculum and how you develop your uh, activities having the curriculum in mind can you Tell us a little bit about that and perhaps what are the subjects, uh, you know, that are sort of most aligned it, with the curriculum and with what you do in your activities here. Arts uh, is is very connected with architecture and that's the obvious uh, answer to, to what subjects in the cur- curriculum uh, can can have an interest in our activities, but uh, the the not so obvious uh, subjects are uh, sciences, natural sciences, which uh, really have a, a connection with our program with uh, the biophilia. Uh, we we also uh, we also establish relations with geometry. And history uh, through the the heritage. We also have uh, a connection to Portuguese language uh, because we 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 really incentive incentivate the the debates and the the communication skills between colleagues between groups uh, and to each participant communicate their thoughts. Uh, and intentions. The activities have a connection to the uh, another subject that we have here in Portugal. I don't know uh, which would be the correspondent one in in the UK called Estudo do Meio, which uh, would be translated as environment uh, studies, which could be applied to natural environments and also built environment. And that's where, where the built environment would, would be integrated in. The other subject would be citizenia, which is citizenship and involves the ethics of citizenship. The work you do here in Porto, or perhaps, I don't know if you, even in Portugal, uh, you know, initiatives or organizations such as Casa de Arquitetura, how, how well perceived their interest in engaging children and young people into the discussion and the shaping of the built environment? Uh, our activities are very well perceived by by the public uh, because we we have schools that work with us year after year and always come back here to to develop programs with us. We also have worked with other schools. Uh, 
in in the rest of the country uh, because they also come here whenever they, they come to field trips. Uh, and we also have developed online workshops with uh, schools from the north until the south of Portugal. The efforts are made uh, by each school um, to participate and engage with these uh, different kinds of education uh, and institutions. But there is a big problem here in Portugal uh, that comes from the very strict curriculum and programs that the schools have. From primary school, they start to have a, a, a bit of a stricter uh, schedule to, to accomplish and they uh, have a, a hard time integrating all the other uh, sorts of activities they wish to do uh, outside of the school because this, the, the teachers really need to, to accomplish and to tick all the boxes that they, they have to, for the programs to, to be delivered. And, and in terms of parents and guardians of, of the kids, uh, how do they uh, how do they perceive uh, the, the word neuroactivities? And you know, and 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 again, we can talk about the kind architectura. And if you have an understanding of what's happening in the rest of the country, well, the the guardians and the parents of the the kids they also participate in the in the activities. So the feedback we have is amazing uh, because the parents really appreciate that the activities are activities. Uh, allow the parents and the guardians to participate uh, with their kids in the activities and to engage in the creative process with them. This allows the participants also to to have that this exchange exchange of intergenerational perceivings and really enrich the the experience of the artistic process, but also enrich the bonds between uh, kid and family. And what do you think it's the impact on the built and even on the natural environment of this work you do here, of these activities? I believe these activities are really shaping the, the younger generation to have a critical approach and uh, thinking about the built environment. The, the kids and, and also obviously the adults that participate in our activities can really get a, a different perspective on the built environment, they can become more active citizens uh, when questioning it and uh, and they can, can have a more an active role. Yeah. What do you think is the impact on children and young people uh, by, you know, participating your, in your activities? Uh, I believe that we plant a little seed when, when they come to the activities, when they participate in the activities. And I hope that seed grows and grows to a beautiful tree of knowledge and experiences. So they they sometimes come here for uh, an activity that takes uh, an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, and then they come back uh, one year after and another year after. Uh, sometimes they, they spend a little more time with us. Uh, for example, the ones I told you before with the seasonal activities. Uh, which participate in activities for a whole week. I believe the, this type of activities uh, can can really encourage them to to learn new skills, uh, to to 
that are useful in their everyday life and also their their future lives, their uh, professional lives when they, they grow older. Is that a question I should have asked you that I haven't asked you? And if so, what is that question? Well, uh, one one other question I, I thought would be interesting to, to discuss and to reflect on would be the similarities or the comparison between the Portuguese case and the UK case. I believe that the Portuguese case um, of education uh, of architecture for kids is uh, at an earlier stage than the UK one. And the UK uh, has, uh, has the advantage of having started earlier. And so the community is also more aware of its importance. Here in Portugal, we are still making making an effort for people to understand the importance of architecture uh, because architecture can really be accessible to all people, not only architects. Uh, unfortunately, there's, there's, still, uh, there's still the preconceived idea that architecture can be only understood by architects and, and people uh, that work in this field. But uh, our aim at Casa da Arquitetura is really to to make architecture uh, accessible and understand understood by all people uh, from all backgrounds and all ages. That's a very very good question. Thank you so much, Antonio. It was a great pleasure to having this conversation with you, and we can always do more of this. I look forward to to hearing the the next episodes of your podcast, and I. Wish you uh, good luck for the future of the podcast. Thank you very much to my guests today, to all the listeners. And please subscribe to Architecture for Kids podcast and leave your rating and a review. Recommend us to your friends and family. And to find out more about it, visit our websites, antoniocaplan-portfolio.co.uk, buildingcenter.co.uk, thorntoneducationtrust.org, cardiff.ac.uk and follow us on Instagram, arch for kids cic Twitter, and Kaplan, LinkedIn, and Kaplan, C-A-P-E-L-A-O. And please join me again next week for another episode of Architecture for Kids podcast, brought to you in collaboration with the Built Environment Trust, the Thornton Education Trust, and the Welsh School of Architecture, Cardiff University.